Hello, good evening, Aston Villa fans. And welcome to the Villa Forever podcast. I am your host, Chad Williams. First of all, before we get started, if you are new, please subscribe to my channel. Subscribing is completely free. It don't cost anything. And it will help out my channel massively. And it will keep growing the channel. Also, you know where to find me. You can find me almost everywhere. Wherever you get your podcast from. Including Spotify. Amazon Music. Apple Podcasts. This evening, I'm joined by my special guest, Neil Dunworth, who is the host of For the Love of Paul McGrath, Aston Villa podcast. Neil has been quite a regular on my show now. It's the fourth time he's been on my show. And I always appreciate the support that him and Paddy give my channel. I'll be doing the pre-match talk show, Luton Town versus Aston Villa. Saturday, it's a 5.30pm kickoff. This is a very important game. Can Aston Villa get three Premier League wins in a row, which will help their Champions League push at the end of the season? Great to have you on the show again, Neil. How are you? I'm very good, Chad. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Last one, Neil. I saw that on your channel. I watched the uh, the live podcast you did with Paul McGrath. I felt the stories he tells is so interesting. Yeah, it was uh, like obviously it's been a life goal of mine to have that uh, with the podcast Your being idol? named after him. Uh, absolutely, my idol, one hundred percent. Um, and with the podcast being named after him, you know, uh, just we've been trying to get him on the podcast or even trying to get it, get a photo opportunity with him even for years and everything just fell into place. And I'm so thankful that it did because, uh, yeah, really, really cool day and, and a really cool person, to be honest with you. Really nice person. Um, there was over 250 people there and oh, wow. he waited around, shook hands with everybody, had a photograph taken with everybody and still came up on the stage. He was well over the time he was allocated and uh, he did it with a smile. So uh, really appreciative of him. Yeah. I can't believe how humble he is as well. That's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really humble guy. Really, really um, comes across as somebody who's, uh, how would I put it, didn't, didn't really realize how good he was. That's how. That's probably the best way I will put it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, some of the stories he told are absolutely brilliant. Well, you and Paddy are doing a great job with the content on the channel. Thank you. Well, we've got a few topics to get through. But before we get through the other topics, what is your verdict from the Forest game? 
of Forest. The first half against Forest was just absolutely sublime football. Um, Villa looked really, really on on tune on song, should I say, in that game. Um, specifically in the first half, uh, three goals we scored were brilliant, and it looked like we could have gone on and put up a cricket score. To be honest, um, the way we were playing, and then Forest get into it. Obviously, there are two goals either side of of half time. Did make it a bit nervous for some people. I, I genuinely didn't feel nervous. I thought we were always yep. going to get the fourth goal. And then when Leon Bailey scored, I, I relaxed then at that stage. I was like, okay, job done. Away from home. Um, yeah, and let's move on. Let's 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 move. Or sorry, job done. Um at home, should I say, and let's move on to the next game against Luton away from home. Oh yeah, well I went to, I went to the game with my dad. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was a wonderful display of football. The mm-hmm. thing that really impressed me the most about that game, we controlled it so well. Absolutely, we really did. Through through both John McGinn playing in the in the role vacated by Bubakar Kamara, um, Douglas Luis being in there as well. You know, Luis was just superb. Um, a lot of people felt like that potentially we would lose something in that aspect, having to put McGinn back there. But I think the fact that he's got the speed and he's got the the positional know how to really play in any position uh, I would say any position on the field we just be very diligent it really didn't seem like we we missed a step against Forrest um, I thought Yuri Tielemans was really good against Forrest as well and that midfield three really makes um, makes a difference when they're on song because it's the backbone of where where our uh, I suppose where, where our creativity can come from yes we've got Pau Torres um, at the back and having him back is absolutely fantastic but if he can't play the long ball, he needs to be able to play a short ball. And that's where midfield comes in. And when our midfield ticks like it did, very few midfields can live with us, as you saw against um as you saw against City, as you've seen against uh, yeah. uh, you know, against against a lot of other teams this season, Brighton, West Ham and so on. Well, every single player on that pitch, they played their part. As expected, mm-hmm. I knew it's gonna be a game with a lot of goals. A really fast paced game it was as well. It was, and, and well, it wasn't Villa's part in the first half. I thought Villa were really, really up the tempo through Leon Bailey and Jacob Ramsey, and, and having R- Ramsey back is somebody else that you know the the club really, really relies on for his, his ball carrying ability. You know, he's completely different to anybody we put out there. Um, completely different to Zaniolo. Completely different to to like that's that's really who's played out there. Diaby comes in and maybe Tielemans goes out on the left and Ramsey just does that position a lot better than anybody else we have in the squad. So bringing him back in did elevate the pace of our play again. And uh, yeah, I think I think we really, really saw, saw the benefits of him in there as well with regards to dictating the tempo that we can play at. Because usually with, with, with Emery, with Emery's Austin Villa, when we dominate possession and we control the game, Usually, we always get a good result. We usually win as long as we dominate. Hmm. And that's true. Early goals. Um, I saw a statistic and I can't remember, but early goals usually mean, and I, like if Villa score early, yep. we usually go on to score again and then it becomes a, a, a case of Villa winning. You know, that's the way it's been under Unai Emery. And uh, that way I continue. Yeah, well, although it's, although it's sloppy, the goals we conceded, but for me, I'm not bothered about us conceding goals. As long as we score more than the, the other team, I'm not bothered. Yeah, 
the Kevin Keegan, the Kevin Keegan um, philosophy when he was over uh, Newcastle in the mid nineties. You know, we're going to outscore you. We're going to score one more goal than you, and that's how we're going to yeah. win the game. And that's exciting. It's it's probably unsustainable over the course of two or three or four years, obviously. But uh, if you get it right over one year, and Villa have so far, you know, it's really exciting, and 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 you can build on it. And I think Villa have done this season. Um, we've gotten clean sheets when we needed to, and we've scored one more than the than the opposing team when we've needed to as well. So yeah, it's been really interesting. Because really, it's about getting results and getting the job done. That's what matters as well. Absolutely. We better the results of, of uh, Spurs and Man United from here on out for the rest of the season. And the, the world's our oyster because it's in our own hands. And I think that's something that Villa are gaining comfortability with. Wasn't always a very good thing that Villa were able to play with uh, throughout the years. But I think this team has a small bit of character about it, um, stemming back to last year as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they get the job done. Also, it was very ruthless in front of goal. Very clinical. Yeah, I agree. The last two games have been really clinical. Ollie Watkins, really, really clinical. Um, the inter interplay between Watkins and Bailey for the first goal against Forest was uh was superb. Um, and yeah, your clinical is definitely the word I'd use for it. Well, they're all great goals. I mean, I really enjoyed all the goals. To be fair. Yeah, me too. Yeah, even the header from Douglas Louise. We don't see many headers from him, and uh, it was great to see him pop up now. Granted, there was two other players there with him, two other Villa players. The marking was really poor from Forrest for that goal, but somebody had to put it in the back of the net and Dougie knew how to do it when it came to him. So, well done, Douglas Louise. Well, hopefully we're going to get a good run going. Like, it's going to give us so much confidence in the next, what, the end yeah, of the season. I I agree. Yeah, specifically when United of City coming up next and then we have Spurs the week after. You know, we take points off Spurs, City take points off United and, you know, that buffer zone begins to grow. And, and Spurs have Crystal Palace at the weekend, which under a new manager yeah. um, may not be the, like, I don't know what to expect from them, but we've all seen a new manager bounce and I think all Villa fans will be hoping for that new manager bounce for Oliver Glasner, I think it is, that's over um, over yeah. Crystal Palace now. I think it was after Boxing Day, I think it was. We had a few patchy games, but I think we've got through that bad spell now. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair to say after the Manchester United game, whereby or probably really after the after the Sheffield United game where we dominated and we didn't go on to win. And then Manchester United then where we dominated and we didn't go on to win, except we lost the United game, which was uh, which for me was was a real soccer punch. Um, both United games were a real soccer punch. Yeah, I, I think that you know that there was obviously a Chelsea game and after that, and then the Man United game again, and yeah. there was just kind of a feeling of what's happening here. The injuries then came in, and uh, thankfully those injuries now are coming back, albeit that we won't have Bubakar Kamara. But we've weathered the storm, as you said, and I think uh, you know we're looking we're looking good for the running. You know, we're looking good for the running. Another another sixteen to eighteen points should do it. Uh, and should solidify solidify top four, and uh, I wouldn't bet against us for sure in getting those points. It's unbelievable now. What, what eight point eight points clear Man United? I mean, who would have predicted that? Yeah, um, and who knows? Beat Luton at the weekend, as I say, United playing City, and then it's all for them to do, being eleven points. 11 point gap. Now, they can they can uh they they can obviously go on a run themselves, but they've played pretty chaotic brand of football this season. 
Um, you know, their top score. Did I? I think I read somewhere where they're they're. Is, is Scott McTominay like their second top scorer yeah. this season or something? It's it's something wild anyway. Um, you know they've been winning one 0 They've been winning two one. They've been getting last minute goals and like I said, with us scoring one more goal than the other team, that becomes unsustainable. And I suppose it's how it's done becomes unsustainable. And Man United are doing it in what I would think is an unsustainable way. The way it's so helter skelter and so chaotic. Um, so look, all the pressure will be on them. As I say, if we win at the weekend and, and, and United lose to City, all the pressure will be on them. So, you know, that's the way we want it. We want them to be under pressure. Yeah. We want us to be, to know that we win and we do our jobs and then we can, uh, you know, we can sit pretty. Because Man United don't worry me. I, I can't see where they're going to get this run from. Mm. All the pundits are saying. I think it's probably more, their run might come from... Well, like, you know, just maybe bettering the results against against the teams that we lose against, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. like let's let's say let's let's say we lose to Spurs, they beat Spurs. You know, getting three points back in that that fashion. But that run, as you say, you know, they're gonna have to get I think I, I did some calculation on it, they're gonna have to get one point eight points per game uh, on the way out. And and I'm open to correction on that. And they haven't averaged that over the last two years yet. You know, so um, it's hard to turn that on towards the end of the season when injuries get creeping, like Hoyland is out now. Um, you know, their centre-half partnership is uh, is who it is, and then they've Lindelof left back as well. So, you know, I know last night they got the job done against Nottingham Forest in the last minute. Uh, or was it the last minute, or was it just after um, yeah. just after halftime? I can't Casimiro, remember. that's the end of the game, Casemiro. Was it right it. at the end of the game, Casemiro? Yeah, yeah, and it was a boring game, to be honest with you. Um, so I kind of turned off midway through the second half. I couldn't remember when they scored because I didn't see it. You know, like if you're... And I know it's good to sprinkle goals around the team, but, you know, if your defensive midfielder is the one who has to win an FA Cup final, an FA yeah. Cup fifth-round game for you in the, in, in the 89th minute, well then... You know, that kind of stems to where the chaos is coming from, you know, specifically when your striker is out who's who's reached a bit of form. That's first guy, and that's gonna be the biggest game of the season so far. I think so, but I think it's more a must not lose game than a must win game. Obviously we yeah, want well, to win it, but Oh yeah, of course. You, you you get a draw out of that game and you go you you dust yourself down and you go, All right, let's go. Spurs didn't gain any points on us, and then um, you know. It's really just mitigating that against Spurs because we do have City, we do have Arsenal, we do have Liverpool, and you know even the most ardent of Aston Villa fans will say, "Hey, I'm not sure we're going to do the double over City this season. I'm not sure we're going to do the double over Arsenal this season." You know, so if we're relying on those three games for points, um, that's where it gets difficult. But you know, outside of that, we've like so Brentford, we've West Ham, we've we've um, we've we've Chelsea, I think, left to come as well. Yes. Um, We've Brighton, uh, Crystal Palace, they're all in the mix as well. Like West Ham are on the beach already. Brentford could be, could be playing for their safety. You know when we get oh, to play yeah. at the moment, they're on a horrendous run at the moment. Brighton, depending on how they get on in their European competition, may may favour that if they're going to lock up maybe a seventh position uh, within the league because they're not going to threaten for 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 fourth place anyway you know so um while they're all dangerous games you know the timing of when we play yeah. them could be very beneficial to us because i think we're going to prioritize the league and hope we win the, the conference league but with Unai Emery, he always puts out a, a pretty decent team anyway so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see but that will that that um 
that Spurs game is definitely a game that we should, you know, put a little red circle around and hope that, uh, you know, if we can win that game and create an eight-point buffer to Spurs, once again, there'll only be, what, 10 games left to play? Um, yeah. I think it's 10 games left to play after that. Um, for each team, well, they'll have eleven because their their game against uh, Chelsea was uh, was postponed. Um, but yeah, will they'll have to get more or less a point on us per game, and that's difficult to do with only ten games to go. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, let's go back to the Forest guy. So, who was your player of the match against Forest? I had it was it was hard to to kind of pick a player in a match. I thought because so many people played well, but. I think you kind of have to give it to Douglas Louise for his two goals. But I think for the contributions in open play and that pass to Ollie Watkins that looked simple for the first goal, I think Leon Bailey was just electric. I think he was just brilliant. He gave them fits too. So I'd, I'd give it to I'd give it to Douglas Louise, but Bailey was, I thought Bailey was was really, really good too. He was electric, Leon Bailey. Yeah, absolutely electric. Mm. Well, for me, I've chose John McGinn. Mm-hmm. You know, every player was excellent, but the reason why I chose John McGinn, because I just think he was at the heart of everything. And I like the way as well. He kept driving the team forward, or winning interceptions as well. Mm-hmm. In key areas, and some of his passing was excellent. I think so too. Absolutely. I think his passing was absolutely amazing. And um, uh, his, his passing has been amazing all season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Great, great pick. And also, I like the way with McGinn as well. He reminds me a little bit of what Paul Scholes used to do at Man United. The way he used to switch the play. He does that quite a lot. And from that deeper position, though, that's what Villa are going to need as well. You know, so a quick switch of play and then he's got the pace to be able to go and chase it up the other end as well if he needs to. And also, we went to the game. Um, I had like a big roar for the crowd. John McGinn made this great tackle and it really got the crowd on the face. He's captain love, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'd love, love to see that, putting that challenges in as well. Yeah, 100%. You know, he's he's the all, like, he's the do-it-all player. He's, I, I, I wondered about him when he was made captain because maybe, you know, he's a bit of a joker off the field and stuff like that. But from, from an effort point of view and a, and a leading by doing, you know, there's nobody that's as fit in that team as John McGinn. There's nobody who loves the game of football. I would go so far as to say more than John McGinn. And there's, you know, he he can do everything to a to a B plus level, probably. You know, and 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 you know, his his ability to get around the field, and, and I think he's growing into that captain's that captain's position for me for sure. Because I think with John McGinn, he's a real leader, and I think he would really fit in. I sat Alex Ferguson, Man United team. Is that sort of player? Yeah, don't let's let's not give them any ideas. Let's not give them any ideas, yeah. Chad. He's ours. No, 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 He's don't ours. Sell him. Yeah, don't sell him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, actually, he's my favourite player that you could see behind me. Absolutely. I was just going to ask you about the jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a dead giveaway, Chad. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about like, the Forest guy, about the goals. But the goals that they conceded, could have they been avoidable, those goals? A lot of people make an awful lot about corner. Um I think there's extenuating circumstances. I think there's I think you can give the give the defense a pass for both of them. Now I know not a lot of people will believe me will, will agree with me with this, and there are people who will say 
corner was crap. It should have been it should have been stopped. But the difficulty about that corner is that I suppose it's the fact that Villa do concede where somebody peels off to the back post and just heads it across the box again. And for me, there it's a percentages game on that one. What I mean by that is that Awani is only heading that. He's literally just heading it into an area, hoping that there's somebody there. Yeah. So you can talk about like, oh, it was well worked and so on, but it's very difficult to for, for that to come off. Yes, they come off come off against Villa probably more than any other team. But when you look at that back in slow motion and when he heads it, like if if Watkins was quicker out, uh, he catches Nikata offside. You know, if if the if the defenders aren't busy running out, somebody turns and heads that away themselves. But everybody's r- busy trying to catch catch them offside. So the the basis behind putting it to the back post like that, yeah. and a striker peeling off from the outside and going to the back post is it creates chaos. People lose their spacing, people lose their zonal marking, and everyone's just going crap. Okay, let's get out here and let's not keep anyone on side. So you're caught between two 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 stools there because do you stay on your post? Uh, and and attack the ball if it does come across the box, or do you get out and try and catch somebody offside? And I know probably the smart thing to do is to stay on the post, but you know you want to create that movement within the within the box. You want to create movement because you you know the more that you can move within the box, the less likely you are to be pinged for an intentional block or anything or give away a penalty and stuff like that as well. You know, the less likely the ball is to is to hit off somebody and then hit your hand and give away a penalty. So. The move or the the shift in mindset has been more for people to come off the post as early as they can and to try and get out into the midst of play so that they aren't uh, they aren't a kind of sitting duck there and creating um, giving the attackers a small bit of a benefit. So I I can see that. And when when he heads that ball across, the cat is just there at the right place. He's just thundering in and he gets his head on it. And you know they do that another hundred and fifty times and they don't they don't get that connection again. So. Yes, you can say it looks bad from the defense from a lot of ways, but the like, and and I I saw on yeah. I can't remember what it was, but I saw I saw somewhere that they were saying it was a well worked goal. And yes, you can say it is well worked, but essentially Ewanee is just heading it back into an area, hoping that somebody comes powering through. And Nikata did so for that goal. I could I could, I I have I think there's mitigating factors for the defense. I also think there's mitigating factors for the for the defense for the Gibbs White goal. Because um, just a new defender coming in, I think that uh, the spacing between the two of them wasn't wasn't one hundred percent. And look, it's a great finish from him, and it's a great run from him as well. So a lot of times, a lot of times when we score goals, we think they're the best goals of all time, and when we can see goals, we think that they're soft. And you know, I think that's just probably the nature of a fan to think that your team could always concede soft goals. But I, I think in a lot of ways that there were there were the Gibbs White one was was a great run from him. Um, and it was a deep run from midfield. Yeah, it was a deep run from from uh, from midfield because Origi had pulled out, had, had 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 gone deeper, and that wasn't happening in the first half. That coupled with a brand new centre half coming in only minutes previously, and yeah, you could you could say we were cock called there in that one. But uh, yeah, look, you know, as I say, it didn't come back to bite us. Thankfully, it's not really a massive concern, but. I hope Austin McPhee work on defending set pieces and instead of the attacking set piece. Because we're good sure. that. Yeah, look, I'm 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 sure that he does. You know, a lot is made of when things are going right. He's the best, in, again, he's the best yeah. in the world. And when we can see the few from corners, he's the worst in the world. Yeah, I've never known a coach to get as much 
praise or as much stick as Austin McPhee. And realistically speaking, you know, he's a he's a coach that's just doing his job. And it, like set pieces are like they obviously have somebody who's a set piece coach on their side of things who can cool. equally do his job. So I think there's a lot made of it when you put this title on somebody like that set piece coach and then you can see it from a set piece it's like he's crap or he's brilliant or whatever the case is not just his other, no it's not there's loads of moving but there's, there's like for, for a set piece there's probably what 20 players in the box oh, 20, maybe 19 players in the box how can you dictate or or, or foresee or like you'd want to be you want to be completely and utterly you want to have, have some sort of x-men power to be able to know where everybody is going to be and dictate where they're going to be and and uh uh yeah so like all it takes is for somebody to drag somebody out of position you know and 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 have a credible threat that they have to go and leave them and then something pops up and i think that's what happened at the weekend you know so yeah. yes we can defend from car and then you know it's funny because then if you say said people go man for man that's what happened at the weekend, I think. But then if you go zonal, just to mention the zonal marking from corners, drives another subset of people wild, you know? So I don't think you can ever really get it right. And I think I think corners and set pieces um, by fan, fan bases and by and by match of the day and the like, are, they're, they're, they've tried to simplify yeah. it to make it easier, not even to make it easier understood, but to, but to apply blame. And sometimes the blame is is many and it's vast. And it's one of the areas of football that I'm beginning to get really kind of tired of is the it looks like it's being overanalyzed, but it's actually being underanalyzed and trying to oh, yeah. simplify it into a 30 second conversation point. And then it's okay at the end of it, they just go, yeah, this person's to blame. And then everybody who's watching that program goes, yeah, that person must have been to blame when it may not be the issue. If we just switched off, I think maybe got a little bit complacent by the well, I I don't even think for the corner there was it was complacency. I think it was difficult for them to to to, to push out. But I I know we we have there have been times when we've been complacent for sure this year. The thing when we got that fourth goal, that it was a relief. Then it didn't matter anyway. Was one hundred percent. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and a great goal it was. Well. It was a great. It was a great interplay, a great build-up play. Obviously, Watkins gets saved from Watkins, and then just rebounds to Bailey, and he just taps it in. But they all count in the on the scoreboard at the end of the day. And would you say with the long ball over the top? Would you say that is probably one of our weaknesses out of all the things we do? Um, I think it's probably just because some of the more high-profile goals we've scored, we've had, yeah. we've conceded, have come from those. Um, I don't think it's generally an issue on on the whole. I think the bigger issue is when we get dominated in midfield, how difficult the game looks for us. Um, you look back to Newcastle, you look back to Chelsea in the in both FA Cup, excuse me, both FA Cup games. You look back to Liverpool as well. You know when we get really overrun in midfield and I suppose this is true for every team but the game looks really tough for this Aston Villa team which is yeah. kind of as I said to be expected so I think that's that's the that's the place where teams look to attack or where, where teams who are confident in their ability will look to attack us more I think every team thinks they're going to have a puncher's chance against the high line and they're going to try and kick a ball or two over the top like Forrest got some good Forrest in the first game got some good um, yeah. Traction from it. That's where their, their two goals came from. And then the goal from Gibbs White and Burn. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's a huge, huge issue. Um, because I think yeah. we've dealt with it, dealt with it well in the main. To be honest with you. 
The ones who talk about one of my favourite Aston Villa players at the moment. He's been completely rejuvenated under Unai Emery. But how much have you been impressed with Leon Bailey? How much has he improved? Exponentially. He's three times, four times the player he was last year. There was parts of last year where under Steven Gerrard where remember him, he was he was almost crying on the field, just things weren't going right for him. He mentally he just didn't seem like he was in a good spot. And he seems like he's a guy who like who needs to be smiling to play, play well. And he's certainly smiling now. And he's, you know, what is it, seven assists, ten goals, or ten goals and seven or ten assists oh, and seven goals uh, over the season so far. Completely different player and and one of the first names in the team sheet. And he really looks like under Emery, Leon Bailey is really enjoying his football. And that's exactly I think that's the Caribbean style. I don't want to stereotype anyone, but I think that's you, you see him um even when he's away on, on duty with Jamaica and stuff like that, you know, dancing in the dressing room pre-game, dancing in the dressing room post-game. And you know, he just he he he, he likes life to come to him and uh and, and and to be happy, you know, and, and you can see that in the field. Just don't worry about a thing, because we've got Leon Bailey flying down the wing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But yet also, like, like, I think under like, Gerard and Dane Smith, you only saw glimpses of him. But now, though, he's so consistent every week. And do you know what? I think the Unai Emery management style has been great for him because it's only recently he's been starting games again. You know, and when I say recently, I'd say maybe the turn of the year. Like he was he was coming off the bench in a lot of games previously. And that's what built up his confidence. Coming off the bench, scoring goals, playing well, the arm around the shoulder, maybe whispering in his ear saying, Hey, listen, Leon, you're going well at the moment. Listen, keep it up. No, you're not going to be starting the next week, but you know, we need you to come off the bench and bang one into the back of the net, you know. So and he's he did that and he proved himself, and then he got back into the into the first team squad again. Because he deserved his place in the first team. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's one of the first teams first names in the team sheet now. But as a fan going to watch him as well, he's like a joy to watch. Like the fans get excited watching him. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, even on TV, I don't get to him as many games live as I'd like to. But even on TV, he's you can hear the fans. You can hear it come through the television set that it's like, you know, you're looking at it and you're going, these guys, like, he's 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 well up for this and, and the fans are, are are making the most of it every time he gets the ball. You, you can hear the excitement now, which is brilliant, brilliant. It's been, like, Jack Grealish had that about him and, and since Grealish went, obviously, Bailey was brought in. Um, he hasn't really, he hadn't proved that up to this year, but now we're getting that excitement back like we did when we had Jack Grealish. Because I don't think he's a sort of flair player, or I think. Mm. And every team, every good team needs one of those. I mean, you see, and his goal involvement, his stats speak for itself as well. And they're only going to get better as the year goes on, which is, which to me is, 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 is really impressive, you know. He's got to finish with over twenty goal involvements this season, and if you had if you had pointed the finger at him at start of the season, and said, "Yeah, Leon Bailey is going to be this guy." Actually, I think I might have, I think I might have said he might be might be one of the most improved yeah. players uh, at the start of the season. I must go back and check that because I know myself and Patty, myself and Patty had uh, had a bit of back and forth about whether you know whether Bailey was this might be his last year or whether it was a make it or break it year for him. I can't remember what it was, but I certainly didn't think he'd have. The bones of twenty goal involvements are, are are ten goals. I think it's ten goals and seven assists. Um, I didn't think he would have that in his locker 
um, on the, the 29th of February. A lot of fans gave up hope in the, in the beginning. That's why, we're not in the, that's why we're not in the dugouts, Chad. That's why we're not in the dugouts with the manager's, uh, <laughs> manager's court sign, isn't it? Well, it, I mean, it's a fantastic player, but no, I was going to talk about the Leeds Town guy. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, what, what do you expect from that guy on Saturday? I expect a team, I expect to come up against the team. Like, okay, Luton have been really, I thought Luton have been impressive the last three games I've seen them. From the point of view is they've looked dogged. They've looked, um, they've looked like they've had a bit about them. They've looked like they've kind of, kind of, now understand the Premier League, if that makes sense. I think they should have beat United. Um, they went one up against Liverpool, and look, Liverpool are a juggernaut. When Liverpool things started clicking for them, they were just immense in the, in the second half and ended up winning that four one. Um, against City, I no, I wasn't sure. Against City in the in the cup, no, City in the cup is when they last like six one. Uh, in the Premier uh, League, was, get destroyed. Yeah. City against I think they played City in the Premier League, and they looked pretty pretty good as well. Um, I think it was City, so I, I'm completely blanking on that one. But what I'm getting at is they look like they're coming into a bit of form, but they haven't been getting the results. And uh, sorry, I, I'm, it was uh, it was um, uh, Newcastle. Sorry, I was thinking of Newcastle oh, yeah. when they got that draw. Um, and they beat Brighton just before that. So they haven't been getting the results the last three games. And uh, I think they're, they have one eye on maybe... Maybe Forrest getting getting a points deduction. Maybe Everton getting another points deduction. And I think their 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 line of thinking at the moment is if we don't lose a couple of games between now and then, going back to what I said against Bubble Ross and Spurs, if we can draw at home against Aston Villa, they'll think that's a good point. And I did I I was with the We Are Luton Town podcast last night and uh it was actually great. Yeah, I was on Twitter Spaces, and they're really good guys. I actually speak to them quite 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 a bit. I spoke to them since they've come up to the Premier League, and um, they're they're really cool guys. They're they're pragmatic. They know where Luton, like they know if Luton finish seventeenth, it'll be an absolutely amazing season for them. Um, they obviously want to finish higher than that. They 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 fully believe they can come they can go come and give Aston Villa a game at the weekend, and I think they will too. I don't think it's going to be as easy as a lot of people think this weekend. Um, they've certainly improved from the first time we played them, but I think they I think they would be really happy with a draw and see how other results pan out over the course of the weekend. But I wouldn't be happy as an Aston Villa fan with a draw at the weekend, and I think Villa need to go and they need to attack them early. Luton have scored, have conceded the most early goals, I think, in the Premier League. The guys told me last night, and Villa have scored the most early goals in the Premier League. And we know what happens when Villa score early goals; they they, they usually tend to go on and win games. So uh, I'm hoping that's the the trajectory this game takes at the weekend. Well, Luton Town have really impressed me this season. Mm -hmm. I see the relegation zone, but I like their fighting spirit. Yeah, and they're, they're a team of players who've had to earn the right to be professionals in a lot of ways. Like Chidozi Benny and uh, the, the the Irish guy that play, plays right wing for them or right wing back or whatever. You know, he played my local team. Uh, well, the, where I grew up, my local team is Limerick FC. They're actually defunct now. They were go by a different name, Treaty United. But um, he came up through there and he was just outstanding as a youngster there, you know. He was originally played with Cork City, then with, with Treaty United, and then he got, he got his, his move over to the UK um, and obviously came up through the ranks there with Rotherham and, uh, and now on to Luton and so on. And, you know, you look down through the team of players that they have there. Yeah. A lot of them have, have, have had to 
are either trying to rebuild their careers, the likes of Marvelous Nakamba, um, Lukanga as well, uh, Ross Barkley, another oh, guy. A, he was been um, excellent as Ross Barkley. Been, been superb. Yeah, been really, really good for them. Um, Carly Woodrow as well. You know, a lot of those guys are rebuilding careers that they would have had. And uh, other guys then have had to work for every inch of the career that, they've, that, that they currently have in playing in the Premier League. And, you know, there's a lovely story behind Luton with regards to that. And uh, that's where their fighting spirit comes from because every single one of them knows what it's like to, to, to get out of a division and to try and get to, you know, the, hold the hope of playing in the Premier League. And, and, you know, like all the Aston Villa players... I've been playing the Premier League for a long, long time. Jacob Ramsey, I would say, we like obviously we've got the Ollie Watkins of this world, the John McGinn's, um, Tyrone Mings, um, Emmy Martinez to a lesser degree, you know, having to fight for his place in the Arsenal team, not getting it and moving to Aston Villa to try and prove his point. We've a lot of players who who try who have had to prove their point either through the leagues or to an international manager or somewhere, or even Leon Bailey that he can play in the league. We've different struggles in our team, but I think the think the Luton Town team, that dogged fighting spirit of coming up through the leagues, is very apparent, and and it's it's a nice story for them for sure. So, Tom, I watched Luton Town in their home games. Some of their pressing's quite good as well. Yeah, I think that comes from the the playing three at the back and then being able to pack midfield with with all those players because. They do pack midfield, you know. When when you look at them, they kind of leave either Woodrow up top if he's playing, or or Adebayo, who looks like he'll probably be out again at the weekend, yeah. which is a big loss for them. Um, and then they pack it with Chong, Morris come back into midfield, probably Clark and Barkley. I think Lukanga had some sort of a knock as well. And then you're going to have Ogbeni and Doughty as well. Uh, Doughty can deliver a real good ball. I've be, I've been impressed with um with uh with with, with Doughty. I think it's Alfie Doughty, I think is that his name, uh, on yeah. that left-hand side. Um, I've, I've been impressed with him. I think he's been a pretty decent player and um, he's well able to deliver a cross anyway, that's for sure. Because what I think, if they keep playing the way they're playing, they've definitely got an outside chance of playing up, not staying up. Oh, I think so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think, And plus, with all the, the, the cloak and mirrors and the smoke about points deductions and stuff like that, they absolutely do. I think the other two teams, Burnley and, and Sheffield United, I think they're effectively relegated now. They're buried, yeah. um, I think they're I think they're gone. But um yeah, I think I I think definitely, definitely Luton will think they have a puncher's chance of staying up this season. Yeah, and also I don't think this game is gonna be easy as it sounds. No. I don't think any game is going to be easy for Aston Villa as it sounds uh, the in the coming weeks. No, because no, no game is easy in the Premier League. No, no un, unless you're beating Brighton 6-0. That, that was a pretty easy <laughs> game. You know, we absolutely ripped them. But um, obviously, I'm being I'm being uh, silly when I say that because of the, the team that Brighton are. But um, you're right. There is no easy game. And, and uh, it's like, like Aston Villa have to be pitch perfect. They just have to be. And I think that's what focuses the mind. And I think that focus will be evident at the weekend. And while it won't be easy, I think Villa have the intelli- the, the on-field football intelligence to get the game done. Also, I've heard that Ezri Compton's back. He is. Absolutely. Is um, he is. He, there was uh, the club released a video of him back training um, yesterday, I think it was. So I don't think we see him at the weekend. Um, maybe he makes an appearance on the bench, but uh, I suppose it already depends on Pau. If Pau Torres is is fit to go, I've heard nothing of Pau. I've heard nothing. Uh, I've 
I've yeah. had a complete social media kind of blackout myself today. I yeah. haven't seen anything. And uh, I suppose we'll hear from Unai tomorrow and we'll know more about Pau Torres then. But if Pau Torres is fit to go, then it's as you are. I think there's no need to rush out, uh, rush Ezri Kanza back. But if he's not fit to go, maybe we see a Ezri Kanza on the bench or maybe we see somebody like Finley Munro or Lamar yeah. Bogard on the bench there to, to add to add a, a body on the bench to come on in a defensive position, but um, not ideal if if Kanza and and Pau Torres can't make the bench. But uh, Unai Emery makes things work, and, and and I've no reason to to believe that he won't do so at the weekend. Because in the second half against Forest, did Torres come off as a precaution? That was it. Yeah, yeah, he came off as a precaution. He was. He said he felt a small bit of pain in the back of his leg. They didn't want to risk him because of the la- the lack of centre-halves that we have at the moment, I suppose, so they, they took him off. And I thought Cam- Chambers played well when he came on. So, you know, it, did, it didn't it didn't make a bit of, make that much of a difference. Yeah, I spoke about maybe the miscommunication between the two guys for the second goal, but Chambers is, Chambers is a professional, you know. He's come in, he's done a job against Forrest at the weekend, and I don't think he looked out of, looked out of place. I'll just give a drink of water, Neil. No problem, take your time. I have people messaging me, Chad, asking me if I got tickets for the for the Ajax game. So, which I didn't get tickets for. There, I wouldn't be able to go anyway. Oh, so, I've got tickets for the home leg. Did you get tickets for the home leg? Yeah, yeah. I, I won't be able to go to either leg. It's just two small kids, you know. At the moment, I'd be dumb. shot if I was if I was to go midweek. Uh, they're they're enough of a handful for two people. Never mind for one person. So, okay, um, okay, next year. Next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up to way more games. Once that'd uh, be good, that would. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna meet him. So I'm gonna meet Paddy soon. Yeah, I I'm over I'm over in April, and if uh, if our we'll pats collide, if we can yeah. if we can meet up, yeah, yeah, before a game, I'd absolutely love to. Yeah. So I'm gonna talk about the Luton Town manager Rob Edwards. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts of Rob Edwards? Former Villa great, Rob Edwards. Um. Eight games for Aston Villa, obviously, you know, the making of the man was, oh, was, was, that, was yeah. down. Yeah, I was down Villa Park. Um look, I I think I think he's I think it's brilliant. I I th- I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's you know gone about his his business <laughs> the way that you probably should in, in, in if you're going to become a, a manager. And I contrast him to the likes of I suppose I'm I'm more reluctant to contrast him to Steven Gerrard because I did respect the way that Gerrard went and coached the Liverpool Academy for a while. I probably we probably in hindsight, if I was to go back, I would have told him coach somewhere else other than the place where everybody's going to think you're great, um, regardless of what you do. Um, but you know when you contrast him with 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 uh, Rob Edwards, he's 41 years of age. You know he gave he, he'd give up the game. I was 11 years ago. I think he'd give up the game early at around 29, 30. Um, he was kind of floating around. Uh, for a small little bit, and he took up coaching role at Wolves, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, he's he's come up through the through the league. Started off was it non-league with Telford, and I think he was with That's England it. under 16s and uh, England under 16s. And then he did brilliant work at Forest Green Rovers, and then he got the raw end of the stick against again for Watford, if I remember rightly. And then Luton said, "Yeah, we'll have you if if Watford is stupid enough to sack their like 59th manager in 10 weeks, the way they sack managers." Um, we'll take you because you're a damn good manager. And, and he's gone on to Luton, got Luton promoted. And look, he's getting all the plaudits and he absolutely should because he's a good tactician. He's a really good tactician. I know disrespect, disrespect to Luton, but 
considering they're a small club, Robert Edwards mm-hmm. has done a fantastic job of what he's achieved there. Absolutely. You know, like, like he got the sack. F- I think it was 11 games or something like that he only had at Watford. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he got the sack at that, at that stage. And, like, you know, that's not enough time to get your feet under the table at all. But, you know, uh, I, I I actually only looked him up yesterday before I went on the Luton Town podcast. And I think I think across across his um, his managerial career, like, he's had 40, 50% win ratios. Now, obviously, there were Telford, England under-16s, and Forest Green Rovers previous to that. But I think with Luton Town, he's hovering in and around the 40% win rate as well. For a team that's been put together on a shoestring budget, that's really good. And, you know, even if he's dropped under that 40% win rate at the moment, that's probably because of the Premier League, you know, how many games they've lost so far this season. So nothing to be sniffed at. And and, and good young managers like that get overlooked because just like that's the nature of football, you know. As Sam Allardyce said, if his name was Sam Allardyce, he would have he would have gotten a Man United job. But because, you know, sometimes the name doesn't fit the club um, because it's not adventurous enough. And, like. Like Dean Smith fitted Aston Villa at the right time, right place, right time, and absolutely he's the kind of guy we needed as someone who would go through a brick wall for the club. Because previous to that, you know, having uh, I know we'd Steve Bruce, but like the likes of Di Matteo, Remy Gard, all those guys, real nice exotic names, which are fine. And we've got a really, really good exotic name at the moment. So <laughs> it's not foreign managers versus English managers and getting that here. But what I'm getting at is that, you know, if the right club takes a chance at the right yeah. time. Um, and that, that manager fits and you do your due, due diligence like Luton have done here with Rob Edwards it, both club and manager deserve all the plaudits so I wish him all the best in his career because of 41 years of age he could be managing for another he could do a Roy Hodgson on it and he could be managing for another 30 years um, at the top level and, and and you know what I think he deserves a shot at it because um, he's had to come up the hard way because another story for the Premier League they sort of stories. Oh, yeah. Like, you think back of all these stories we've had before, Neil Warnock's of the world, the, the Sean Dyches of the world. I remember, but then again, you've got other guys who are really, really highly thought of, the Eddie Boothroyds of this world. I, I can't remember where he is at the moment. I think he's in with the England setup, or he was at one stage in with the England setup. But, you know, um, there is a place, uh, and of the English game needs football managers from all types of disciplines all types of uh, of of ideologies all um footballing ideologies like regards to the Sean Dyches the Mourinho's and all that it makes it, everything like that makes the league the best league in the world you know uh, and and the likes of Rob Edwards or Rob Edwards will will contribute to that and he has contributed to that this season uh, with the style of play that and with the type of player that he has because also Luton and Tyler have been through a lot in off-field matters as well with Tom Lockyer with the cardiac arrest. And it's like yeah. he, he likes his recovery, keeps recovering. Absolutely. Well, I yeah. actually I, I actually forgot about, about Tom Lockyer. Jesus, yeah, when you mentioned it there, uh, yeah, yeah, I wish him all the best. Yeah, I actually, he was only on TV recently. I thought he spoke really well. And, uh, you know, he seems like he's a really good person. You can understand why he was captain at the club. And that they stick together, that's it, that sort of team. Mm, certainly, for sure, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Lockyer being the... Being, well, if he if he can come back and play football, it would be amazing, but yeah. I don't think that that would be the case. But I, I can imagine he would be 
he, he's going to be Luton Town till, uh, till, till they take him out of there, till they forcefully remove him from there, I would imagine. So, uh, yeah, I wish him the best of luck on whatever he does next. If it's playing, well, best of luck yeah. to him in that. If it's coaching, if it's in a development role, if it's in a business role within the club, I just think he's going to be Luton Town until the day he decides he doesn't want to be Luton Town. Well, sometimes, not all the time, but Luton Town sometimes play the long ball. Did you know how, we, how to deal with a long ball? How would you deal with a long ball? Well, the way that they set up, I think it's different because long straight ball for Aston Villa, we've been pretty okay with, I think, so far this season. Yeah. It's a long diagonal ball to somebody who's run from a distance. And what I mean by that is wingbacks. So... If they're going, if they're going to utilize their wing backs, and they should, because yeah. Chidozi Ogbeni is an absolute lightning streak when he gets going, you know. So, um, if they can play those crossfield balls, well, then more power to them. But I think Phil have gotten better at defending that. You know, it it was an issue against uh, Newcastle yes. at the first day of the season. It was an issue against Liverpool as well um, this season. Uh, United to a lesser degree, yeah, yeah, but certainly oh, well, to Garnacho, yeah, yeah, to Garnacho, he was he was a, 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 an issue for sure. Um, and do you know what? I hate that, I hate that he's playing well, Garnacho, because he was a uh, you know for a lot of this yeah. season, I th- I felt that he was overhyped, and he's really come into his own. I think in the last uh, last twelve weeks, but uh, less said about him, the better, because he's just he's just a player I can't warm to. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming we're coming almost towards the end of the podcast. Mm. So we've got one last question. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of the conference league draw? Are you pleased with it? I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. I want we you, like there's two trains of thought with people. It's let's get into Europe and let's get plum draws and let's get easy teams and let's get to a final and win it. I think we're good enough to go and win the final and win this win this competition regardless of who we yes. draw. And let's draw the best teams. Let's have nights that the that the fans are going to remember. Like I remember watching Atletico Madrid, uh, the Villa Atletico Madrid back in the late nineties, and and well, for me it, it was like for me it was and and Stan Collymore scored that wonderful goal, and I was like it, my like it it made like a whole month for me for Villa to be in that competition at that stage playing that playing a marquee team like Atletico Madrid at the time, and that's that's what you want, you know, that's that's what you want with, with, with games of football. Um, you know, we get into the Champions League next season. We're not going to win it. Hey, if we do, brilliant! I'd love it. Yeah. But you know, we can, we can play the big teams in this in this competition, the Conference League, and yet we st- I still feel we can win it. So we can that's compete. why I want to draw them now. Compete to the Champions League. Oh, I, I, well, yeah. we, we'll 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 get there first. But I think we can. I think I think we've. I think this team is a puncher's chance against everyone. We saw it against against Man City, who are the best team in Europe. Um, you know, we've a puncher's chance against everyone, and you know, we've also seen it against Liverpool and Newcastle this season that we can be got at by the better teams, and that's just a growth point. Bit of recruitment in the summer, you know, but we we'll get to the Champions League first. I shouldn't have mentioned it and jinxed it, but we'll get there first, and and then we'll see how we that's go. It. We don't we don't have to jinx it. No, it's it's my fault if it doesn't happen for you, <laughs> I know. What I like about like, the European guy, the conference league as well, the special occasions, I mean, under the floodlights as well. Yeah. And you know, away, absolutely. And look, away games aren't for everyone. Like, 
I've only ever been to one away game in 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 my yeah. life, and like not everybody goes to away games. They're expensive, and certainly like for European games, not everybody will get the opportunity to go. I think there was only two two and a half thousand tickets for Ajax, but the people who go want to go to different grounds. Yeah. They want to go to mad grounds in in Montenegro or wherever it was this season or or uh, Bosnia um, this season. You know they want to go to those far-flung places, over to Warsaw, over to, to wherever they, they, they... Like, that's all the thrill of going to an away game. So um, that's like being in being in the Champions League, yes, you go, you might get to go to see the Bernabeu, you might get to go to see, you know, the, the yeah. Stade de France, whatever, you know, and they're all fantastic. A lot of those stadiums you can go to if you follow England away, you know, whereas... Mm-hmm. You can't really go to Lego Warsaw's, yeah. uh, or you can't really go to like you. Well, a lot of people wouldn't be going to 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 Zrinski Stadium or or, or or places like that, or even even as even to Alkmaar. A lot of people wouldn't be going to Alkmaar if they were following England away. So playing in in the the third tier of European competition, you know, their memories that that those fans will 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 have forever. And Max and Simon oh. and Villa and Tour, I know of like they absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this year. You oh, know, and, and and long may it continue. Also, against Ajax as well. They're like a European football giant. They've won the European Cup three times. And they're not as good as what they used to be. I know they lost to Isaac and Altmar, I think. Mm-hmm. But still, just the occasion, it's still great to play them still. Oh, yeah. That, like everything that comes from it comes with Ajax, like the team of, your, of Johan Cruyff, one Johan of the best Cruyff, people yeah. ever to, 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 you know, to put, lace up a pair of football boots, change the game. Um, and they changed the game from an academy standpoint, you know. Uh, that team was at 94, 95 that came through with Davids, Finity George, Clivert, Canu, all those, the, the two De Boers, Mark Overmars, you know. That team was like, like that's an all-time great academy grown to a, a, a great degree team. And a lot of other, you, you know, big, big squads around, around Europe look, took note and went, Wait a minute here. If we can grow these guys for free, yeah. let's try and do that. And you know, then then United with their class of '92 then came in and started winning Premier Leagues. You know, in and around the same time with homegrown players as well. But Ajax were the catalyst for that, and they still have a fantastic academy. And they've lost a lot of players recently, yeah. but their academy is still churning out players after player. Yeah. Like the centre half, they have a 17 years of age. I think he plays left yeah. back and he plays centre half as Arta. And um, there's a couple of more guys in there. You could be you could be going on forever, but yeah. they are a huge conveyor belt to Dutch football, and um, it's it's going to be a great occasion. I'm I'm really looking forward to it this day next week. Really. Well, I'm lucky enough to get tickets as well, which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going it's going to be magic. It really is, and you know, European nights, regardless of who you play against, are, are magic. And I mentioned they're about playing against you know sides that you never might never play against again in the group stage, but. You know, you get to, you get to the marquee step point of the of this of the the cup season. You know, within the within Europe, you want to play the big time, big teams. Yeah. You want those those memories. And Ajax, Ajax are as big and as as uh, prestigious a club as you're going to get. Do you remember when we lost played them in 2008? Martin Lawson and Gareth Barry scored the last time we played them. Yeah. I have no recollection of that game whatsoever, but I do know we did play them, and I do know I've I've read about it since. I watched it and everything, obviously, yeah. but I have no recollection of that game whatsoever. So you're the second person that's asked me today, and I meant to go I meant to go back and see if I could find highlights of it, but 
whatever I was doing in my life at that time, I've completely erased that game from my from uh, from the back of my head. <laughs> That's it. And also, Eric Taylor Hogg. Since he left, it's sort of gone downhill for all that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, as well, I think you know, a couple of things have happened recently. Um, like the Mark Overmars piece, I think it was Mark Overmars that was with them. That there was there was uh, a bit of controversy about that as well. And you know, the fact that they sold some really good players last year, like Julian Timber yeah, going did. to Manchester United or going to going to Arsenal, um, and. and Anthony going to Man United Jazz, well, like he was ripping it up and in for for Ajax and can barely barely get off the bench for United. Now I think he's a troubled soul himself as well. But um, you know they've had they're, they're, Muhammad Kudos leaving them as well and going to going to West Ham. Three massive players for them, really. You know, um, Edson Alvarez going to going to West Ham. They've recouped a lot of money. They haven't spent it great. Getting spent it very well. You know they've brought in guys like Steven Berghaus, the who scores goals yeah. and. In, in the Dutch league, but is he really going to be, you know, somebody who's going to push him over the line in Europe and so on? And um, yeah, I, I think the recruitment recently um, under that guy that was with uh, Arsenal, Mr. Lat, I think is how you pronounce his yeah. name. Recruitment there hasn't been fantastic, but they still have this conveyor belt of young, young players. Mm-hmm. But they're very young. The players that they have there at the moment now, they're really young. They're 16, 17, 18, 19. And, you know, the gap between those guys and the bigger names that are in there, um, the Bergwines, the Burghouses, the, um, the, those types of players, is probably, they need a middle class within the, within the team, the couple of 26, 27-year-olds, yeah. because the likes of Kenneth Taylor that's in there. Kenneth Taylor, a really good footballer, having an absolute stinker mm-hmm. of a year. If they want to let yeah. him go at the end of the season and Villa end up picking him up, I will have no problems with that, by the way, because super talented player, just having a cool. stinker yeah. of a season. Um, I think like a lot of those players, but they, they need more players. I think more uh, players that, uh, you know, are probably yeah. 24, 25 to kind of just supplement that mid, 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 the middle area of that team. Not the middle area of the, of the field, but that they yeah. kind of bridge the gap between the older players and the younger players. That's kind of where I see them at the moment. Uh, and it looks like it looks like they're going to get Pep Linders as well from uh, from I yeah. think the Liverpool the assistant manager is going to be their manager next year as well. So see what happens there. Well, my score prediction, it. Chad. My my score prediction. I think for for Luton is it? Yeah. Luton, I'm going to yeah. go with two. I'm going to go with two one, but I think we'll score the first two goals and they'll get a late goal. No, I'm going to go two one after Villa. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Two one Villa for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be tight, but I think I'll back them to get the job done. Yeah, I, I do too. I think we'll find a way to get it done. It'll be interesting to see who's in the team sheet, but I can see Jacob Ramsey scoring at the weekend. I can see Mo, uh, yeah. Moussa Diaby coming off the bench and scoring at the weekend. Um, I can see us conceding a goal just because we do. We can see goals. Um but yeah, I think we'll score early, and and I think we'll we'll score a second goal, and and then you know we'll dictate we'll dictate the play, but we will concede somewhere in along there. But I think I think ultimately we come away with three points. Well, before we finish off now, I'm just going to read a few comments. Oh yeah, excellent. Thank you everyone for your great comments tonight. I'll read just a couple. The Michael Huggins consistency is something we have always wanted at Villa. Taking into account 
of the last 14 months. I believe we can keep that run going. Absolutely. I, I, I really believe we can. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well. I've nothing to put it this way. My motto is always I've seen nothing that would make me think otherwise. Do you have a little look at some of the comments? It, it actually go up a bit. I'll just go up. Actually, go up to the, if you have a little look at the top, have a little look again. Oh, yeah, we've got TMB. We need to smash Luton and get momentum for Ajax and Spurs. I think it's vital, I think. Yeah, I, I think beating Luton more so than, than going out and, and, and you know, putting a, a high score on them for sure. I think just beating them. The, the players are going to know this. Like the players are going to know three points is what's needed cool. from the weekend. Then you've got this little mini session of games for, for which are important in different ways. Ajax versus Ajax, and I think that you know you go out, you beat Luton, even if it comes off somebody's backside and goes in the back of the net, and we win one nil. I'm okay with that. Um, like it, yeah. Get the, try try and get the job done early doors uh, against Ajax as well, and then then. Consolidate for Spurs and and see what we can do. Yeah. Well, we'll do we'll do one more question. It is from Uncle John John Blevins. Do we expect John. Mings or Brendia back before the end of the season? Or, or I don't. So. I I, I Mings, don't expect Mings. either. Yeah. Well, heard something about Mings was say end of March, but maybe that might be denied by the. That that would be brilliant. It would be absolutely does. excellent if we had if we had somebody even if even if he was back to the point of for the from the point of view of being able yeah. to name him in a squad. I think it would be huge for morale and boost to the boost to the team having the captain back. But like even at the weekend he was and I th I saw some people say saw this as a negative that he was at, at Ipswich. To me it wasn't negative at all. The man can take as long as he needs to get back. I prefer to have him hundred percent than to have him seventy percent. And uh, if he's been invited to go and watch Ipswich against the Blues and watch Ipswich beat the Blues, well, then he can go to he can go to whatever team are playing the Blues every single week until he's fit. I have no problem with that. Well, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this episode. I'm gonna bring this episode to a close. Thank you everyone for watching. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a like, share it. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe with a capital S. Remember to make sure to get your post notifications turned on. So click that bell icon so you don't miss out on any content. Also, you can let me know your thoughts in the comment section. Thank you so much, Neil, for your time. Thank you for having me on. Chad, really appreciate it. Thank you. Again, I'm going to wrap up this episode with Up the Villa.